You're listening to Better Than Yesterday, a podcast that will inspire the chase to your best self. My name is Angelo Kelly, and I'm a creator who escaped the traditional nine to five. On the show, you'll hear conversations with elite athletes, mindset coaches, and everyday people who talk about their personal journey to a life of passion. I appreciate you guys being here. Now let's get rolling. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for joining me this week. My guest today is Jim Tunison. Jim is a former college baseball player at Misericordia University. We actually played Misericordia, I believe, 13 times in my career at Eastern, and we lost every single time. So not too many fond memories of Misericordia University on my end. But Jim had a lot of great experiences there, so we got into his college baseball career We got into the experience of a lifetime when he actually won John Taffer's entrepreneurship contest and flew out to Las Vegas to meet him. So we talked about his experience with that. And then we also just talked about his own podcast called For Love of the Game. I went on, I was on episode 14. So if you guys want to check that out, that's basically all my baseball journey is on there. So check out Jim's podcast for Love of the Game. And without further ado, here's our conversation. All right. This week on the podcast, I am welcomed by Jim Tunison. I almost didn't want to have you on after I checked the archives. I faced you one time in college and you ended up getting the save. We were down by one run. I didn't get the job done. And uh, yeah, so I was thinking like, I can't have him on the podcast now. (laughs) Man, I didn't didn't realize that. That was you. That's too funny, man. Yeah, I went, I went through. We only faced each other one time, and I think I, I grounded into a fielder's choice. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Luckily, the ball, the ball bounced my way. Could have gone. <laughs> was, that, was that at Eastern? I don't even know, to be honest. I just saw we faced each other one time, and uh, I'm like, ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so you have that forever over me. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, hold it against you. (laughs) Well, yeah. So I just uh, went on your podcast a couple of weeks ago, had a great time and wanted to push some listeners to your, your way. You have a great story and uh, a few things that I found out about you that I didn't know. So I'm interested to have this conversation, man. Yeah, man. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, You know, it was, it was a pleasure having you on and learning more about, you know, your baseball background and, uh, you know, love, love what you're doing here. Love the mantra, you know, better than yesterday. Um, I think it's, uh, it's just cool. Um, and it's, it's a good ideology that I think people can, uh, can certainly get behind, but yeah, man, stoked to be here and uh, ready to, to get into it. Yeah. Well, thanks brother. I think anybody who's in the doing a podcast, you kind of have a, a little bond with somebody else, you know, like, you know, the struggle of getting guests and getting the show out there. It's, it's tough, but it's, it's definitely been a cool thing that I've gotten to do. Yeah, no, you just, and, and the thing is what I've learned, you just got to keep doing it and, you know, make yourself do it and just do something each day um, to, to just keep it going. Because once, once you stop, it's so much harder to, to get back on the horse and, and keep the ball rolling. Oh yeah, for sure. So let's just get into your background a little bit. You uh, were you growing up playing baseball right away? Is that your sport that you were doing? Oh yeah. So I have two older brothers. Um, my dad grew up a Yankees fan on Long Island, um, and that, that's kind of where it all started for me. I mean, I pretty much grew up at the baseball field. Um, by the time when I really can remember, my brothers were playing little league, and you know I was always running around, you know, playing hot box with the friends, um, just having a catch and um, really just kind of from a young age, I feel like I always had a, a bat in my hands or, or a ball and glove in my hands. Um, and funny enough, so my, my dad was usually when I was younger coaching uh, my older brothers and my mom and my aunt were, were actually my first coaches, official coaches uh, in T-ball. So it was definitely a, a family affair, um, and it's just something that, you know, I grew up doing, and it's, it's really, um, you know, looking back on it, been a, 
a, a huge part of, of my life. Yeah. And I think anybody like I graduated in 2017, I think you were in 16, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And like you play and it feels like it was yesterday. Like I can still remember games. I can still remember. And I don't want to always be harping on the past, but like those were some of the best times of my life for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you're younger, you're, you're just playing for the, for the pure joy uh, and excitement of it. You know, you try to emulate your heroes that you're watching on TV um, you know, and little league, obviously everyone, you're, you're the pitcher, you're the shortstop, you know, I try to try to be Derek Jeter making that play, um, uh, you know, the jump throw, um, try, trying to be like Roger Clemens on the mound. Um, but, and it, it's, it's just cool for me, um, to be able to, to watch my older brothers too, because as they progressed, um, I got to see, you know, how the game should be played. They're great role models, but even, you know, my older brother, Dan got to play D one ball in college and um, just seeing what that jump from, you know, high school to college was like, and um, being able to learn from some guys who were just tremendous athletes. Um, and at the time being in middle school, it was like, you know, you couldn't ask for anything more. So how old are your brothers? Like how much older so, are you? Uh, Older brother Dan's about six years older. My older bro- oldest brother Tom is is nine years older. So basically, when I, when I was about you know three years old, they were both in little league. Um, and then, like I said, my earliest memories just just watching them play. Um, so it was cool. When Danny was in college, I was what was that seventh grade, eighth grade. So it was like the perfect time when you really started to get serious about the game. Um, to be able to to go and watch him and his teammates compete at such a high level. It was like, I don't know, it almost made it even cooler. And I always wanted to be a major league player growing up. I think that's every, every little kid's dream, right? I mean, um, it's, it's kind of a a part of uh, the American dream, if you will. Um, And that almost seemed to make that goal even closer. It's like, wow, you know, if my brother's doing this, maybe I I could have a real shot at at least extending my career into college. And, um, it was, it was just super special. And, um, you know, it was cool because I told you it was, it was a family, you know, it was a family thing. And, um, that extended all the way to, you know, my grandparents came to every single game. Um, my uncle Matt is, is a huge baseball nut and, and loves the history of the game too. I think that's where I get him and my dad um, just just love talking about the history of the game. I think uh, a fun fact: my uncle Matt has every I think almost every single Baseball Digest there is out there, and you know he just loves going back through all the all the old stories. And um, I'm a, I'm a huge book nerd too, and and so I love reading about um, you know Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak or when Ted Williams batted 406. So when you combine all of that, um, you know, with everything going on with my older brothers, um, just the, the love of the history of the game, um, it was kind of the perfect storm for me. It's like, what else was I going to do? You know, it was, it was baseball 24 seven. That's awesome, dude. And at what point, um, like in high school, did you decide that you wanted to keep playing in college? Um, you know, I, I think it's, it honestly started, um, I think I knew when my brother Dan was playing in college, I was like, this is what I want to do. And, and obviously, um, you know, I wanted to go D one, but, um, the, the skills, uh, weren't at that level, let's just say, but still had a love for the game. And, um, I think it was a real possibility when, um, I was brought up for, varsity my freshman year for the playoffs um and it was I think that just showed you know how much the the coaching staff kind of believed in me it was like all right you know this is you know it's gonna be you here leading the team in the future and I think um it was then I was like all right let's you know let's let's work your butt off and let's try to extend the career a little bit so you went to Misericordia. I did hear uh, a story. Somewhat, somebody I played with when I was younger actually 
talked about walking. He, I guess he walked on. I don't know if he was recruited, but he said he showed up. He was a catcher and there was like 10 catchers at tryouts. He said there was like 80 freshmen in your class. So what's that like when you go out for the team and was there like a panic mode? Um, There's definitely a panic mode because when you meet with the coaching staff, um, you know, their job is to recruit obviously for the baseball team, but they're trying to also recruit as many people to the school as, as well. Um, and you want a heavy incoming freshman class because obviously you want the competition. Um, but also it's just, um, I, th- I think I remember seeing, uh, a quote on our, our, um, one of our GAs board at the time and it said recruit daily or die. And, you know, I didn't know this going, going in freshman year. Um, but it was like every person you met on campus was a baseball player. And about, you know, three quarters of them were pitchers. And I was like, good grief. Like, they, they can't all be recruited, you know. Um, but, yeah, going to that first legit tryout, um, it, was, it was crazy. I mean, we, we, there was literally probably about 80 guys there. We had enough to field. I think we had three complete teams. So we, we played legit games in the fall that, that our freshman year there. Um, and, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make the team. Like I came here specifically to play baseball. Uh, you know, obviously you want to get the education and everything, but I, I was there to play ball, you know, and I was like, man, one, the, the, this team, you know, the returners were very talented they had a tremendous system already um and just seeing the competition in the freshman class i was like good grief i you know i i don't know it's am i gonna have to if i get cut do i stick it out do i go home you know return somewhat of a failure um but uh luckily the coaches saw something in me i think my speed helped a, a little bit out you know as well um was able to bring a few things to the table besides just being a one dimensional player. Um, so thankfully was able to, uh, to, to make the team freshman year and, and stick the, the rest of the year. But yeah, um, the catchers is, is one of my buddies. Um, his dad tells this story because he, you know, he came in and watched some of the tryouts and uh, his son was a catcher and he, he's looking at all the guys. I think they're walking out of the dugout behind the, you know, um, the batter's box there. And he's like, it looks like a freaking star Wars movie. These guys, <laughs> all these catchers in full gear. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was quite the experience, but definitely um, beneficial and uh, just, I think helped me realize that if you really want something, you know, you're going to have to earn it. Yeah. Our experience was completely different. Cause so our coach actually left like two weeks before we got there and like our team, we, we come out and there's our captains are running the practices. So like we had, we had no practice, no coach. We're just like kind of ragtag bunch of guys like wearing cutoffs and everything. <laughs> And that's what same thing when we got a new coach, I was like, I, like I got, I got told after the fall that I was going to start, but I went into it. Like, I was like, I don't even know if I'm like, have a spot on the team. Like as soon as the coach was like, Oh, I'm out. I was like, uh, did I just sign up for this crazy Christian school with no baseball now? So it's just funny hearing about other people's stories, you know, those experiences. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because you never thought about as a kid growing up and playing through school when your last game would be, you know, I, I don't know why, but in, in my mind, it was something where I, you know, I wasn't going to play forever kind of deal until I couldn't. Um, but then that experience made it really real for me. Like, wow, you know, I might have to hang it up sooner, <laughs> sooner rather than later, but. Um, luckily was able to eke out another four years. So what's like one of the best memories you guys, you, I know you beat our ass every single time we played you, but what's your best memory playing at Misericordia? Well, I mean, as a team, 
Um, you know, obviously we were lucky enough to, to win the, the conference each year. Um, our class was there and, you know, that, that, you know, doesn't get any better than that. You, you go to college to, like I said, and you want to play ball, but then being able to compete and win um, just made the experience a whole lot better. But um, I would say one of my top memories um, was my first win. They got my first win. We were down in um, Florida on our spring trip and we were playing Susquehanna University. I'm not sure if you guys ever matched up against them. Um, but it was the seventh inning and bases loaded. The, the, the game was, we were, the, it was either down, we were down one, nothing, or it was tied, nothing, nothing. And coach brings me in with the bases loaded and there's one out. Um, and I ended up striking out both guys to get out of the inning. Um, and you just, I, I just remember coming off the mound, so jacked up, like, you know, let, let's go, let's do this. And. Uh, fortunately, my, my teammates were able to, to tack on two runs and then coach coach let me finish finish the game and got the first and what turned out to be my only win in, in college. So um, that game certainly sticks into my mind and um, certainly set me up for a few more future experiences. I think my senior year, my last five appearances were with the bases loaded. So it was <laughs> pretty wild. Um, but uh, there's nothing like that adrenaline rust coming out of the bullpen. That's great, dude. So I just want to, I don't want to harp too much on baseball because that is your podcast. I will leave that to you. <laughs> but the one thing I wanted to ask, like with your team, what's the mindset? Like you guys won the conference every year. You, you continue to win the conference when you're not there. Like it's kind of just seems like it's the misericordia way. So what do you think? Um, is instilled from the coaches or, or the team, just that mindset to, to always get the wins? So this was something probably worth my whole college experience and all the loans that I'm still paying off now um, is the fact that our coaching staff, and especially, you know, top, top down, with, starting with Coach Egbert, really – used baseball as a way to get us ready for life and looking at looking back on it now you realize that but in the moment you know we, we thought all this was to make ourselves better and to win but um really it's it starts with coach Egbert um we we had a mantra called all nine and and I won't get into it but um I'll, I'll just name it there's a, a list of um, sayings, sayings, if you will, that we really took to heart as a program. And I'll just name a few, like, you know, compete in life. That, that was a big one. Be accountable, have an approach, uh, take initiative and, and all of these things. And that allowed us to one kind of police ourselves when the coaching staff wasn't there, um, for us to step up and really call each other out. Um, if you saw some guy slacking or if, you know, someone wasn't giving his all during a lift, it was like, Hey man, all nine, what are you doing? Um, so that's really something we all bought into and really created a, a championship mindset. And that was something like I mentioned earlier that it wasn't just about the baseball field. You know, obviously that's why we were there. We wanted to win and get better but this was something we could take into the classroom and, you know, at the time into our internships or jobs and keep that mentality with us throughout life. Um, so that when, you know, you get to the playoff time, it was like we had such a strong foundation and belief in that system. And we really just trusted I don't like the term trust the process um, just because it's used so much now. I, ha I have that tattooed on my forearm right there. It's, it's really, um, it's really what it's all about. You do have to trust the process day in and day out. Um, and there is one, um, 
coach actually made us do a book report. Uh, our, it was our, going into our junior year about mental toughness. And the one thing that really stuck out to me or stood out to me was um, this quote. It said, you know, highly successful people seize the mundane. And that's something that really stuck out to me. And it was about winning and which coach would say all, all the time was celebrating the small victories, you know, celebrating, making a routine ground ball play, throwing it over first and getting the guy out was just as big um, to the game as, you know, a walk-off home run. Um, it was the sacrifice in the second inning that got the guy over to second that allowed him to score kind of thing. And um, that was just the culture we had. And, and like I said, we just all bought into it. And that really helped us out, especially, you know, when your backs are against the wall, facing elimination in the playoffs. Yeah, I talk about that all the time with, with like habits that nothing you're doing is like is super important or that much better than one other thing. Like if you, you know, your diet or exercise, like it's all connected and it's all one thing, but if you can't do the small things, right. Like if you're doing the, if you're cutting corners, you know, vacuuming your room or cleaning the toilet, like what are you going to do when you have real things on the line? So I, I love that, man. So I was doing some research on you. You actually won an entrepreneurship contest with John Taffer. So what walk us through that experience. So um, my this would have been senior year. I was winter break, and I, I was in Barnes and Noble. Like I said before, I'm a huge book nerd. I love just you know any way I can improve my mind, myself, um, and just trying to really become kind of a whole person. And at that particular time, this book jumped out at me. It was called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And I'm sure you've heard about it. I think you read um, some of his books right now, The Tools of Titans. Mm -hmm. um, but that really opened my eyes to a completely different way of making a living and kind of you know, not just doing, you don't just have to be stuck in a nine to five job that you hate. Um, and so that really started to get me thinking. Um, I just remember watching Shark Take all the time and looking up inventions. I'm like, what, you know, what can I create? What can I do? And somehow or another, I found out that John Taffer was doing a entrepreneurship contest. So I looked on it and all, all you had to do was you had to create an idea and then give a one minute video pitch and submit it. Um, so I was like, you know, what, what could I do uh, that might just give me a shot to be a finalist in this? So I came up with, you know, I, I love music too. And the idea was, it was called face to face. And the idea was to have these music lessons, but taught by, the the professionals like billy joel or bruce springsteen um you know mariah carey um if they could somehow kind of talk about what they did kind of what made them great their process and then also um be able to teach a song of theirs um and, and it would be all on video people would be able to log on and, and watch them and and record all that so that in a nutshell that's the idea um and i was like what the heck let's just do this and see what happens right so i submitted it this was in january um and the finalists were going to be announced the first week of february so time goes by we go back get back to campus and uh, it's the first week of february i was like oh let's just see you know what happened with it and um, I'm scrolling down the, the videos and the people that made it and there's my face and I just I was like I made the top 10 I started freaking out I think I called uh, my girlfriend at the time my parents and I was like I just I just made the finalists for this entrepreneurship contest um, and uh, from there it was just kind of a whirlwind um, I give Misericordia University a lot of credit they really helped me promote it. Um, the baseball team, the alumni, uh, the school, 
even the local paper there and the press helped me push it out. So it was really, I, I say Northeastern Pennsylvania kind of claimed me as one of their own for a couple of weeks and really helped me push it out. Um, I was on uh, 98.5 KRZ, uh, give them a shout out. Um, you know, I, was, I got to go on um, the news there. It was, it was just a whirlwind of people supporting me. And obviously my friends and family back home, the whole high school um, sent it out to all the teachers and they had their kids go and vote. So it was really just, you had a week to promote yourself to, for people to vote and they could vote each day. So I was just out there promoting. Um, and then the week went by and Taffer was doing an announcement on Periscope to announce the winners. And I remember I was helping um, my buddy, you know, Chris Borak, um, my fiance, they were doing, they're physical therapists now, but at the time they needed people to practice their techniques on. So we were in, um, in the science hall and when, when the announcement came live and uh, he got into saying, <laughs> you know, that in the winter, you know, everything you've all been waiting for. This guy, he really went out and promoted his butt off. And I'm like, I started getting chilled. I started getting, you know, I started sweating. I was like, is he really talking about me right now? And then he, he's like, and the winner of the TVT uh, Taffer Entrepreneurship Contest is Jim Tunison. <laughs> like, I, I just lost it. Um, so he's like, congratulations, Jim. Uh, you're coming down here in a month, coming out to Vegas to meet with me. Um, and it was, you know, I, I was on cloud nine, like it was just crazy. And, and all because, you know, I, I just took a chance and said, what the heck, let's do this. So, um, we went out, so he made the announcement in February. We flew out in March. Um, so it was during baseball season coach, coach, let me go. I actually had to miss a game for it. Um, but it was kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. My mom actually got to go with me to Vegas, where his office is. Um, and then two of my um, childhood friends met me out there too, because they were living in California at the time. So that was just a cool experience. We got to go out on the town, um, you know, walk around the strip a little bit. And, um, and then the next day I got to meet with Taffer. He bought us lunch and everything. And the coolest part was um, just literally, you know, on, on was it Bar Rescue, he, he seems so loud and, all, you know, a very intimidating figure, but he couldn't have been more genuine within the conversation. Um, and we literally spent an hour and a half just shooting business ideas back and forth and learning about kind of how he got his start. Um, so, so that was, that was really cool. And then getting back to baseball a little bit here, I'll throw this tidbit in. He had a 1978 New York Yankees world series ring on his, on his office desk. And I asked him about that and come to find out he's a huge Yankees fan. So we got that in common. So that was cool. We were talking about that for a little bit. Um, but it was, it was just such a wild experience. Um, and the, the one thing I remember him saying, um, he's like, Jim, obviously this is a great idea, but even, you know, even if this doesn't work out, I know you're going to do something because it, I think his point was, it doesn't matter if you have the best idea. It's about if you can promote yourself and if you can execute something and, and you know, give people, um, what they want. So that, that was, that was one of the, the biggest things that I took away from that, but overall just a huge blessing. And it's just one of those crazy stories that you never think it w would happen, you know, and then next week you're watching him on TV on spike TV doing his bar rescue again. It was like, yeah, I just met that guy, you know, but, um, so yeah, it was just a wild experience. Was there any fear? Like when you're promoting yourself, were you ever embarrassed or you're just like, I'm going to jump all in at this? At that point, no, because I, I was just focused. I was like, I have a real shot at winning this and I'm, I'm just going to do, you know, whatever it takes. Um, the only time I think 
I was nervous was when I went on live TV and they had an interview and I was like, I got basically like a minute and a half and I, you know, I was rehearsing what I was going to say in my head over and over again a couple nights before. And unfortunately, I, I think I screwed up one part, but I was able to correct myself. But that was probably at the time, never been on live TV before. So that was the most intimidating thing. Um, but being in the, um, the radio station was pretty cool though too. Um, so I think I'm meant to be behind the mic and not in front of the camera. Let's just say that. Yeah. I think it takes a special person to do that. Like we used to have shark tank at our school. And I remember thinking like people have such good ideas, but I would never do that shit. Like I would never get on stage in front of a bunch of people. And now as I'm doing this, I'm kind of, it's like a virtual stage, but I'm, I'm doing that more. But like as a 21, 22 year old kid, I think that definitely takes a special type of person to be able to, you know, you have an idea and you're just like, I'm going to go after it, whatever it takes. Um, even if it doesn't work, like you got that, that great bit of advice from Taffer. That's, that's just such an awesome story. And is there anything that ever came of it? Like what happened with it? So it's funny because he goes, you know, there's, he's like, there's two things that you need to, to start off this with. And the first big one's a production company. I don't know what the second thing was. <laughs> I forget. But, but the, the big one was a production company. And um, he's like, I'm going to, you know, I'll hook you up with, with a guy that we've used before and, you know, just talk to him and you can get the ball rolling. And um, I remember, so mind you, this is senior year in college, you know, where kids are starting to either look for a job or figure out what they're trying to do for their life. And, um, the guy, so I get in touch with the guy and he sends me back. He's like, yeah, you know, if, for one video, it's, it's probably going to be like 50 grand. And I'm like, that's like <laughs> two or three, that's like a college education right there. Um, so I think, you know, that, that probably scared me off a bit, but then also it was at the point where his senior year wanted to focus on the last season playing ball and, um, I ended up getting a job with uh, the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. And if anyone has worked in minor league baseball before, you literally have no life during the season besides, <laughs> besides baseball. Um, so, you know, looking back on it now, that, that's, that's the excuse that, that I had then. I was like, I don't have time to work on this. And um, it kind of, kind of tore at me when you did have downtime. I was like, all right, I'm going to you know, get back in this and try to do it. Um, but as of right now, it's just kind of, you know, it is, it is what it is. It was such a great experience. Um, but also a great, um, learning moment for me where it's like, um, it, if you want to do something, just take the next, the first small step you can do and try to build on that. And I wish, I wish I had kind of that mentality back then. Um, but like I said, I was finishing up. Uh, finishing up my MBA and starting the first full-time job. And it just kind of got lost in that, but not to say that, I, you know, couldn't, couldn't go back and, and try to start it up again right now. But as you know, I got, got another project going um, that uh, slowly starting to build right now. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. A lot of people, when, uh, when you have an idea, I think like the majority of people I see is like, they have so many ideas and it's like every week they have an idea, they're going to do this and they're, they're going to do something else. And it's just like, I think the hardest part is that first step. And I just, I just spoke to Jane Carter, who's a business coach. And she was telling me she has a theory called the first pancake. So like when you have an idea, it's like the first pancake, like you're, you're not sure when to turn it, like you might burn one side or you might put too much butter on it. But once you get that one out of the way, then you know what to do. Like, what's the next step? I absolutely love that analogy. One, because I'm a huge pancake guy. <laughs> and that first, that, but it's so true and, and it's so accurate because that first one, it's never perfect. And that, that's such a, a perfect analogy because you're right. You know, you, you really don't know what it's going to turn out to be like and what you're doing, but 
as you go along to the next one, and you, you figure it out. Yeah. Kudos to you for, for really going after that. That's just, that's such a cool story that you'll be able to tell your kids forever. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those almost like, uh, silver screen moments. It's like that actually happened to me. So yeah, this it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So you brought up the rail riders. Do you have any like horror stories, anything you had to do? Cause I know minor league baseball, it's tough. Everyone's <laughs> kind of doing everything. Yeah. So, um, I, I would say I've, I've said this before though, before I get into my stuff that anyone mer- working in minor league baseball, they are the hardest working people in sports. Um, you know, they're not in the pros yet. They're not making the big bucks. And, um, it's just, it's just such a grind. And, um, so props and shout out to, to all those guys. And, uh, hopefully, um, we'll have minor league baseball back again next year, but, um, just such a, a, a great group of people of putting on a show every single night of the summer, basically. But, um, yeah. So as you know, minor league baseball has some crazy wacky promotions and I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I had to run in, you know, the mascots race, we call it the legends race, this huge, their heads were six feet on, on top of my shoulders, um, you know, dressing up as Superman or Captain America and um, just, just doing all these wacky, wacky things. But um, the, the one thing that I, I remember where I was a little embarrassed, um, we had a sponsor, it was Yingling's Ice Cream. Shout out to them. Awesome stuff if, if you've never had it. Um, but I was trying to play into the fact like the, the dairy aspect of ice cream. And uh, this was at the time where the freeze at, at the Atlanta Brave games were, were, was a big, big hit. Um, for those who don't know what the freeze is, um, they bring a random fan down onto the field and the freeze, they start in the left field corner, run to the right field foul pole. And the freeze gives them like what? I mean, from to center field before he starts running. And uh, here I am thinking I'm hot stuff. I was like, you know what? We could probably do something like that. So we decided to do, we called it cow tipping. So I would dress up in a cow costume. You know, I got the udders, udders on the front, got the, the ears and everything. Um, and I would get down on all fours in the left field corner and we'd pick a guy out of the stands They'd tip me over and I'd wait a little bit to, to get up and try to chase him. And the deal was if he beat me, they got a free ice cream cone. So the first one was great. We, we nailed it. But the second one, we picked this kid. It was, it was this huge group night. We had kids from camp from, I, I don't know. It was some, something crazy like Yugoslavia or something way, way out there. And this kid's like, this is my first baseball game. Um, you know, I, I don't really play sports. And I'm looking at him. He's just like this tall, lengthy kid. And so anyways, I, you know, I get in the position. He knocks me over. And um, I, I wait. And apparently I waited too long because he, he was just kind of chugging along. He's like, oh, this is going to be easy. And then I start booking it. Turned on the Jets too soon. And then the kid sees me and he just takes off. And I caught up with him at center field, but he just blew me away from, you know, the, the rest of the track. And uh, needless to say, we never, we never did that one again because that was, so we were, we were two, two uh, promos and done with that one. Couldn't be giving away free ice cream the rest of the season. That's awesome. The one freeze video when the dude, did you ever see the, it's like the most famous one when the guys like put his hands up and he's like, it's got the music playing and then he just eats it. And yeah. He just just falls over. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I can, ima- I can imagine just, uh, that's probably so much fun though. Like you're just spitballing ideas and, and just coming up with different stuff. That was, and you talk about all these people who have crazy ideas. Minor league baseball is such a good platform. If you are the creative type, to get your ideas out, especially on the sponsorship side of things. Um, I mean, we came up with some wild things that ended up being some of the greatest theme nights ever. Um, 
just to give you an idea, we had a wrestling night. We brought Diamond Dallas Page in, um, and we got to I got to ride in a limo with him. And we came in through the center field around home plate, threw out his first pitch, and you know took him took him back. And you know I got to meet the director of the Sandlot and um, the Hambino and and all these things. And um, there are just so many cool experiences. And like I said before, such a great way to to get your, your marketing mind going and your creativity out and see if you can actually execute on an idea. So that was one of the biggest things that I took away from, from minor league baseball. So let's shift gears to your podcast for love of the game. When did you get the idea to start that? So it was honestly, it was January this year. Um, it was actually, I don't know. It's kind of a roundabout story, but I'll get there. Um, I don't know if you've watched American Pickers before, but um, they had their 10 year anniversary and Mike and Frank were in Iowa and they were picking this, this old warehouse or this old um, hardware store. And the guy ended up having sports equipment from like, the thirties and forties and a lot of old Nakona baseball gloves and just all this old baseball advertising. I'm like, one, I wish I was them right now, but two, how cool is that? And it got me thinking, I was like, you know, if this guy has all this baseball stuff, what else is out there? And then it got me thinking, you know, there's gotta be some cool stories out there to, to go along with that as well. So that, that's what kind of got me thinking. But by the end of the episode, they ended up at the Field of Dreams, that the actual field where the movie was was filmed. And Mike, uh, one of the main guys in, in the episode, was like, you know, man, I just love Field of Dreams. Every time I watch it, it just reminds me of how much passion I have, you know, for life, for doing what I'm doing. And it just got me thinking about my passion and getting back to baseball and it was at a time where like I worked four seasons for the rail riders you were there every day you kind of ended up I don't want to say hating it but you're just you're just like wow this is such a grind and um and then the whole thing with the Astros scandal came out in, in the MLB about them cheating and knowing the pitches and I'm just like man I have such I had such a bad taste for the game of baseball in my mouth, which, which obviously, as I alluded to before, was such a big part of my life. I was like, man, this, this stinks. Um, so, but after seeing that episode, I was like, you know, it's not about these multimillionaires running around the field. Um, these huge contracts, the owners, these, all these, you know, negotiations and, and ill will towards one another baseball in, in its purest is, is such an amazing game and it kind of emulates life. You know, you, you could go four for four one day and then zero for five with, you know, five strikeouts the next day. Um, and it, it just teaches so many great lessons. And what may, obviously after watching this year, what makes baseball so great is the fans. I can't, I can't bring myself to watch these games on right now um, without the fans. So that's, that's really what got me thinking. I was like, man, let's, let's do a podcast. Let's, let's start trying to find some of these amazing baseball stories that fans have. Um, and, and baseball is, has such an oral history to it and it's passed down generation to generation. And I just thought if I could somehow capture this, it might, you know, bring me back to my roots as to why I love the game and, and why baseball is such a great part of America. That's awesome. I, one of the things I always think about, like if I do ever have kids one day and I have a son, like having a catch with your son probably has to be the best thing you can ever do. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I get, I get chills. I mean, my fiance rags on me and says baseball is one of the only things that can make grown, grown men cry. And, you know, every time, I watch Field of Dreams and uh, Ray is like, Hey dad, do you want to have a catch? Like it, it just, it just gets you. Um, and, and to see, you know, 
my brothers now who have, who have little ones and, you know, seeing my nephews have a love for the game too. It's just like, wow, it's, you're right. It's such a generational thing and it's gotta be one, one of the greatest experiences ever you'll ever have. So who's the most interesting person you got to talk to so far? That's tough. I mean, besides you. <laughs> All right, you're good. We can continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had some, you had some sweet stories, but, um, I would say I got to talk to the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and um, Bob Kendrick it was his name. And he just had some amazing stories to tell. Um, one about his, you know, his childhood watching Hank Aaron um, as, as a kid and you know, what that meant to him, but then to be in a position where he is now to really talk about the legacy of these great, great Negro league ball players. And, and that was so cool because with everything that's going on in our country right now, um, he made a point to, to, to say that these guys obviously had it a lot worse back then, but they never harbored ill will towards anyone. As long as they were playing the game of baseball that they loved, they thought, you know what, you know, that's a statement. And, in their minds, they were just as good as the guys playing uh, major league baseball at the time and, um, or, or better. So that, that was a cool conversation. I mean, you know, it's, it's just starting off and um, I've heard some, some awesome stories from a guy who, you know, got to play catch at the golden great gate bridge and um, got to talk to the owner of, or the, the executive president of, Nakona ball gloves, the only remaining baseball glove manufacturer in the U S. Um, so it's, it, it's just cool. And then being able to connect with, um, my family and friends and just other people uh, and just hear their stories. It, it just, um, it, it's just an amazing experience all the way around. So what plans do you have going forward? Is there anything, you know, in the works or what are you trying to do with the show? Honestly, it just, just keep it going as long as I can. Um, this just gives me something to look forward to each week, knowing that um, it's another person I get to talk about baseball with. Um, that the goal really is just to, to continue to do that, grow, grow the audience and, you know, hopefully one day be able to, um, you know, create a, a brand off of that would, would be awesome. Um, but for now, just continue to, to plug away and um, really enjoy the process one um, and really just, just try to, yeah. And enjoy, enjoy the ride. It sounds like you're doing it. Like, especially, just asking different people to come on. I know like sometimes I'll, I'll ask people, but I'll be so afraid. Like all I have to do is send them a DM on Instagram and I'm like, does this person really going to want to come on? And then you talk to people and it's like, there's so many great people out there who have great stories who are willing to share them. I think that's the coolest thing that I've learned from this. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've just been amazed at, like you said, who is actually willing to, to talk to you and share their stories has been really eye opening. Um, you know, and I have a background in sales. So being a sales guy, it's like, you're, you know, kind of scum of the earth, get, you know, don't, don't bother me. So, um, now being, we're just getting a lot more yeses and people being open to, to sharing their, their stories. It's, it's been really fulfilling to say the least. And that's for love of the game podcast. I will put that in the description so people can head right up right there. I do have one final question for you, Jim. So the topic of my podcast better than yesterday, I like to finish off with just one thing you would write on a sticky note, put on your mirror. What's one thing that you can give the audience that's going to help them become a little bit better than they were yesterday. So that's a great question one um and i I think i I kind of alluded to it before uh, when i said you know i wish i would have just started 
and just do one thing. And that's, that's what I would recommend. If you have an idea and it, it lights a fire in you, don't neglect it because in a few years that it's, it's just going to nag at you. That's not going to go away. So if you have an idea or if you have a passion, you, you got to scratch that itch, man, just, just go for it and just start. I think you said on our podcast, you know, I learned it at an early age to say, well, just ask. Right. So I would say like that, you just got to do, just continue to do. And I, one of my favorite sayings um, that El Presidente has for Barstool, it's like brick by brick, you know, that's his mantra. And I think, no matter what you think about the guy, it's, it's so true. You just got to continue to build little by little each day. That's perfect, man. I've gotten so many good answers from that question. It's really cool just hearing everybody's perspective on that. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Jim. Where can people find you on social media? Yep. So you can check out the Facebook page that is at baseball pod and my Twitter page as well. Um, I give updates every time we get a new guest on there. Check that out. And then hopefully we'll uh, have a website up there soon. Cool. Thank you so much, Jim. All right. Thanks, Angelo. I really enjoyed this conversation. And that's a wrap for this week. Thank you so much to Jim for coming on the show. Really appreciated the conversation with him. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at ToonSquad15. Head over to For Love of the Game. That is on Apple Podcasts. I will link that in the description. A uh, couple things that you can do to share the show. Take a screenshot. Tag at Better Than Yesterday Pod and tag at ToonSquad15. Both of us would really appreciate it this week. And if you do like the episodes coming out, make sure to just leave a five-star rating on iTunes and a quick review. Both those things would be so helpful. Thank you guys again so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week.